I'm Brendan Kearney, and you're listening to the Belgian Smack Podcast, where we explore the world of Belgian beer. Four years ago, two young men, one from Belgium, the other from France, started a crowdfunded beer project in the city of Brussels, which involved a community of people choosing beers and contributing to their production. The beers chosen were produced at a contract facility in the province of Limburg, Brouwerij Anders. It turned out to be a success. The crowdfunding continued and the two men, Olivier de Brouwerij and Sébastien Morvan, decided to build a pilot brewery to enable them to continue creating beers with the growing community that helped launch them. At the same time, they maintained the production of their core beers at the Anders facility. Brussels Beer Project is located on Rue Antoine d'Ansart, close to the centre of Brussels, and has become a popular stop-off for regular beer tourists and a generation of inquisitive young people that live in the area. Morvan was born in Brittany, in northern France, the Brouwer is a Brusselaar through and through. Both have a background in commerce and marketing. Their branding is clearly defined and their tagline bold. Leave the Abbey, join the playground. In our conversation, recorded last year, we discuss how they went about building that community and where they hope it takes them in the future, as well as the projects they are currently undertaking, most notably a Brussels beer project in Tokyo, Japan. We also discussed their response to the criticism they have received for the way they do business, like contract brewing, and hear their thoughts on Belgium as a place where discussions about beer are sensitive because of the historic and societal role it traditionally plays in a culture which they believe does not like risk and does not celebrate success or failure. And we talk about how difficult it is to define words like craft in Belgium and find out that they see it connected more to values and a spirit of creativity than to any other criteria. Sit back, listen, and enjoy Olivier de Brouwerij of Brussels Beer Project. Um, so with uh, Seb, my associate co-founder, we, uh, we have been lucky traveling a lot uh, and witnessing this uh, craft revolution, uh, not only in the US, but worldwide. And uh, uh, I'm born in Brussels. I, I spend most of my life in Brussels, and obviously I'm very proud of the Belgian culture. Uh, but uh, sometimes it's a bit asleep. Um, I think it's a bit like France and the wine. Uh, you think that you're the best, and then you don't innovate anymore. So uh, we said, actually, we are not son of grandson of uh, brewers. Uh, so let's come to this uh, super nice uh, world, uh, the craft world, and give some freshness to the Belgian market. And we said we want to do two things differently. The first one was indeed on the styles. Um, no limits, exploring, not too much Belgian styles. Uh, always a touch of Belgium, but lots of different styles, inspiration from outside Belgium. And let's do it in a collaborative way. Uh, so not top-down, but involving as much as possible uh, the public, uh, but also the brewers, associations, music bands. Uh, so let's do it differently. But that was, you know, you were relatively unknown, I guess, at that time. You, were, you, were, you were building a community, <laughs> yes. I guess. Um, and you came up with four prototypes, I think. It was Alpha, Beta, Gamma, and Delta. Right. Actually, we are drinking right now the Delta, which is uh, the first beer that was elected or chosen by the public. Uh, indeed, we started with, um, in June 2013, uh, proposing to the public four different prototypes, uh, four bitter beers. Uh, so that was the common element of the, of, of the four beers. And we said, okay, what we'll do differently is we'll let you choose the beer that we'll put on the market, the first uh, permanent beer we'll put on the market. Uh, and the success was super fast, uh, community success, so lots of people coming to the, uh, to the tastings, press, uh, and obviously uh, about the beer as well. Uh, Delta is still the best beer we have, well, best not uh, taste-wise, uh, because this is very uh, personal, but best-selling, uh, best-selling beer that we have. Um, and we are really surprised by how much the public was interested to um, get more education, learning, um, you know, just getting into this process of 
understanding much more about the beer. Uh, we organized seven small tastings and one final big one. The seven small tastings, while nobody knew us uh, before, were full in less than one day. Uh, so we, we don't know exactly what were you Were you nervous when you were putting those events on or... Yeah, obviously you were excited. But oh yeah, obviously. I mean, we are refreshing every minute, uh, you know, uh, to to uh, to see how many people were subscribing. Uh, and I mean, when when we came up with this idea of co-creation, so you know, letting the public uh, choose, uh, which is the permanent beers, all people told us, "No, you're crazy. You shouldn't do this. It's too much marketing. Uh, you should put on the market the beers you like." Um, and so obviously, yeah, when everyone tells you you're wrong, uh, you start doubting a bit. Uh, but as of day one, as of the minute we launched, you know, the Brussels Beer Project, we, we saw that there was this great community in Brussels and abroad uh, that was willing to get, you know, with us on this path of discovering more beers and, and going further on the... Because uh, like you said, it was a very quick kind of... Um Accumulation of followers of kind of this community that you've built around the project, yes, um, and particularly with young people, uh, you're you're obviously in quite a good location here in Brussels, and you started in Brussels, and you have kind of attracted people that maybe weren't always interested in beer or excited about beer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. is that an intention from the start and the way that you put the proposal forward? Yes, I mean, we 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 set us of day one kind of ambition is to. Uh, to bring with us uh, beer lovers, uh, to educate them and, and to have a fun just journey together. Uh, we said obviously what, what we call beer geeks, right? Uh, uh, people spending a lot of time with beer, it's very nice uh, because, you know, obviously they, they have lots of ideas, very good feedback, but we also want to target a r- larger audience uh, of beer lovers. Indeed, sometimes people not knowing so much about beer, but curious about wine, about food. Uh, obviously, we also attracted lots of people uh, just attracted by innovative uh, entrepreneurship, uh, about crowdsourcing. So we have a very nice, diverse community, uh, different backgrounds, different nationalities, different languages. Uh, when you come here to the tap room or to uh, events, uh, I mean, one of the feedback I always get is, so strange, so many languages, uh, so many different kind of people, and I think this is a big success. And I'm very proud of you know bringing all these people together. I think it's a, it's a nice achievement. So, so you have this kind of community that's starting to build. Delta gets elected as kind of the first prototype that's chosen. Yeah, you put that in production in Brauerei Anders. Yes. So you obviously have a very close relationship with at this stage. Yes. I mean, indeed, we we started from from scratch with uh, Seb, uh, low budget, obviously. Uh, so we had the first, uh, we did the first prototypes on uh, uh, the recipe in my, actually in my basement. Uh, then we went to Anders saying, okay, we don't have a bowl yet. Uh, can you bowl this four times thousand liters? Uh, Delta is selected. And then we said, okay, actually now the serious uh, things start. We need a bit of money to uh, launch the Delta, get uh, you know a bigger community, and then build our own brewery. So um, the, f- the second step was uh, the crowdfunding Beer for Life, uh, which was also kind of a big buzz. Um, so that, that's a sort of a 160 euro investment for 12 beers every year for the rest of your life. Exactly. Which was able to initially, the first round, kind of funded the production of Delta. Yes. Getting it out there. Yeah, get a bit of cash. Obviously, uh, when you launch a beer, you need a bit of cash to buy the, the product, uh, uh, just to, you know, launch a website. Uh, I mean, are there many crowdfunded the, projects around beer in Belgium? Um, more and more, obviously. I mean, the, the, the main reason why we did it, and, and I think this is the case for most of the breweries, is, is building your community. Um I think beer, it's all about, you know, relationship, about social. So having a crowdfunding, uh, so people involved in the project is, is, I mean, it's the base of everything, I think, to launch, uh, to launch a beer. Uh, four years ago, when we launched this, uh, there was actually no uh, platform active in Belgium to do reward crowdfunding. So, so we actually developed everything from scratch on our own website, own conditions, uh, so it was a bit of work. Uh, we still do it this way now. Uh, now there are a few platforms, uh, crowdfunding platforms that came into the Belgian market. So it's easier for more breweries to do it. Uh, so I think, yeah, most of the new breweries actually use the crowdfunding, which is a very good thing. 
uh, to launch their breweries. Is it a difficult way for a brewery to raise finance? Because maybe from the outside, a lot of people think, oh, that's easy. People just give you money and you don't have to do anything and then you just start your brewery. But I mean, there was obviously quite some work involved for you guys, right? Uh, yes. I mean, it's, it's actually easier and easier to get the money. It's, it's very sad, but uh, we know it, right? Banks uh, give money to the rich people. Uh, not that we are very rich, but at least the, the you know, business is, uh, is uh, successful. So it's much easier today when, when you launch uh, you know, from scratch, obviously. Uh, banks will never give you money. This is why you, you need crowdfunding. Uh, we had a bit of money, but not enough to, uh, uh, to launch uh, Brussels Beer Project in the first place. So yes, crowdfunding is extremely important for us. Uh, um, not only for the money, again, but also for the community. But, I mean, crowdfunding is... is except if you have a you know, very rich father. I mean, it's one of the other solutions, uh, one of the only solutions to... Uh, to, uh, to get the money and launch your project. So what, what sort of size is the community on the recent Beer for Life um, you know, schemes? Um, so we did a few waves, uh, actually shorter and shorter with more and more people. So the first one, we're very proud. We got uh, 369 crowdfunders in two months' uh, time. So every day we are pushing and pushing, uh, which was a very nice success for us. Uh, uh, basically, we got more or less 50,000 euros, uh, which was, uh, again, enough to, uh, to launch the project. Uh, now we're actually 2,500, uh, so it's a much larger, a much larger community, uh, which helped us then to fund the brewery here, uh, which obviously it's a much bigger investment than uh, just launching a product and buying a bit of stock. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's a nice community. We... we uh, with the team expanding, we can also do more and more stuff uh, with the community. Um, at the start, there were not so many crowdfunders, but we are only two in the team uh, doing everything, going to the shops uh, to uh, bring the beers, doing the finance, doing uh, the communication, development of the recipe. Uh, now the team is getting a bit bigger, so we try to, uh, to have more and more activities, more and more exclusive uh, stuff for the, for the community. So the round of funding then to finance the brewery itself... Um, I mean, did you spend a lot of time looking around for the, the actual brewery system and, or did you have a fair idea kind of before you launched that what you would get? Um, let, me, let me put right. So we, we did the second crowdfunding in uh, December 2014, so a bit more than one year after launching the, uh, the, the Delta. Uh, we already had the space for actually seven or eight months uh, and we got the equipment uh, a bit later, so June 2015. Uh, so the full process of finding the space, getting the permits, uh, uh, looking at the stability of the building, uh, getting the right uh, equipment for what we want to do, right supplier, uh, took us a lot of time, uh, much more than expected, uh, as always, much more expensive as well, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but it was a long process, yeah, uh, to, to get everything right. Um, your, your own story you're a, a, a Brusselaar mm. so you're from Brussels I'm from uh, Brussels I'm uh, indeed born here uh, I'm French speaking uh, trying to uh, do my best in Dutch um, I've been, li been living here most of my time uh, though I've been travelling a lot as I said uh, Sebastian is, uh, is kind of a gypsy as well um, so working also uh, quite a lot abroad, uh, backpacking quite a lot in Asia. Uh, but clearly my family, my, uh, my roots are here in Brussels. Yeah. And I mean, it's in the name of, of, of the, the whole thing here. It's Brussels Beer Project. Yes, um, clearly. And, and I, th I think it's um, Brussels Beer Project first. I, th I think you can see Brussels in many different ways. Obviously, there are lots of different uh, sites uh, to Brussels. The way we see it, it's, it's kind of the combination of, uh, of Seb and myself. So Seb is from France. Uh, he's kind of uh, adopted uh, in Brussels. But I think you have lots of these, uh, you know, uh, uh, non-Belgian people, but feeling part of Brussels. And I think this is clearly the, the side of Brussels that I like. Uh, very cosmopolitan, very open to, uh, to the other countries. Um, obviously, we're here in Dansar, so Flemish, more Flemish-speaking uh, neighborhoods. Uh, but you also have lots of uh, people from the European Commission. You have, obviously, lots of French-speaking people. Uh, this is the way I see Brussels, like very uh, turned to the other countries, very dynamic, uh, very multicultural. 
And your kind of own background was in business management. Yes. Uh, so you studied in Leuven? Uh, yes, I'm in Leuven-la-Neuve. Leuven-la-Neuve, uh, yeah. And in Brussels. Uh, actually, we met in... Um, Canada. In, in Canada, at Queen's University. So you're there, uh, you're there studying also business? Yes. And you meet this kind of French guy from Brittany? Yeah, <laughs> for the small story, I didn't want to talk to this guy because he was French. And obviously, I <laughs> so just to because he's French, you're trying to avoid him, <laughs> right? I mean, I wanted to learn the English. Look at my accent; it's still terrible. So, no, I mean, uh, at the start, I didn't want to talk to uh, French people, and in the end, uh, we just had so, so good parties together. Uh, we actually were in the same class of uh, entrepreneurship, so we already shared this passion of you know new businesses and yes. uh, uh, innovative ideas. Uh, trying to disrupt a bit the things. Uh, so we had lots of good parties, obviously, uh, some uh, good and bad beers in, the, uh, in Canada. Uh, we kept contact for six years. Uh, we had different experience. Uh, uh, so we've been working in London, South America, and, and, and North America. I mean, as I said, uh, wo- working a bit in uh, Switzerland, but also uh, backpacking in Asia. Yeah. Uh, and and in those early kind of parties and discussions, is beer a central theme or is it just kind of in the background and, and it will develop later on? No, it developed later on. I mean, obviously we had lots of beers, uh, but to be honest at that time, it was not about quality, it was more about, uh, you know, having good parties. Uh, we didn't have so much budget. Uh, I mean, as you are, bo- you know, being born in Brussels, I mean, obviously you are uh, born in this beer world uh, with lots of uh, different beers, so, so you... You are very interested into it, but it's uh, what, what, what was a click for me is all this craft world, uh, which you start discovering so many new tastes, but also so many stories about breweries, about people, uh, and I thought that was an amazing world. And, and, and again, we said it's a bit of pity that in Brussels, you know, capital of Belgium, there, is, there are not so many, uh, you know, fresh. Uh, projects uh, why it should be like the center of Europe for uh, it should be the beer capital right so then you you kind of obviously you come back to Belgium after being in Canada you're working in another job in another industry I think you worked for Procter & Gamble for a number of years yes and um, that was also in a kind of a marketing and business development role yes team management so uh, what was that like um, I mean, other small story, uh, you know, was at the university and they told us the first interview you make is always a failure. So you should apply where you don't want to work. Uh, and there were these uh, American guys from Procter & Gamble coming to the university and I, I thought they are so arrogant. So I said, okay, uh, I will apply for them. Uh, they were doing a, a kind of business weekend. And I was accepted for this weekend and I thought it was so fun. Uh, Lots of nice people, uh, super dynamic, uh, very challenging. Uh, and I said, okay, let's, uh, let's do one year, two years, and uh, actually I stayed a bit more. Uh, but at some point of time, I clearly had to disconnect with the values. Um, um, I mean, very much driven by you know, shareholders, uh, about profits, about short term, uh, not about the quality of the product, clearly about optimizing the cost. And uh, I was just disgu- disgusted uh, about all these, uh, all these values. Um, so we, when we launched Brussels Beer Project, we, we did a lot of stuff in reaction as well uh, to the opposite of you know, the experience we had in the past to kind of inject all values in the company. And, and so when you, when you first came yeah. in, it was kind of exciting and you were learning and there was this whole kind of working world. But as time went on, you found out kind of what you wanted to do and then there was a disconnect with that. You bring that across to the beer world. Yes, I mean, clearly being, you know, uh, focused on quality, uh, on long term, uh, a lot about uh, respecting people. We try to uh, implement here the, the concept of holacracy, like everyone, you know, being an entrepreneur, uh, responsible, no hierarchy in the in the in the structure. No, we are twelve, and we really try to have a flat organization. Uh, Do you regret the time you spent in that commercial sector, or is it something that you know you learned a lot from? Uh, no, I, I, I cannot say that I regret it. I, th- I think it was a very nice experience. Uh, this is part of who I am. Uh, I mean, also there are lots of nice people, and I think you also, you know, uh, enjoy your job uh, for the people you are uh, with uh, every day. Um, might have been a bit too long uh, for my values, so, but okay. I mean, uh, I think you know the um, um, 
just the, the path you take. Um, I mean, basically, I went backpacking six months. Uh, it was very comfortable to have a job when you come back to Belgium. Um, so I'm very happy about the experience, but I'm very happy of you know not being there anymore uh, and having a job where I fully feel comfortable with my values. Um, well, let's open another bottle to further explore those values. Mm. So what, what are you going to pour next? Mm. So we had the Delta, so first one, uh, Belgian IPA, so IPA with uh, Saison. Uh, we could actually uh, keep with the Saison yeast, uh, which is a Zenith Zest. It's a collaboration with uh, Kyoto Brewing, which is from Japan. Uh, they came here in uh, September 2015 uh, to brew this beer. Um, while we're organizing the Good Beer Feast, uh, alternative craft festival here in Brussels. Um, and we try to take a bit of the two worlds. So it's uh, Saison, Saison is very dry in the mouth, uh, and brought some uh, yuzu and sancho pepper from Japan. Uh, and this is the beer of the month of uh, June, of May, apologize, um, which was actually uh, released uh, at the same time in, uh, in Kyoto and, uh, and in Brussels. So you will see it's extremely dry in the mouth. Uh, we have an extremely high attenuation with uh, the saison yeast, but it's very fresh. Thank you. The nose with uh, the, the yuzu. Very dry. Nice bitterness there too. So um, in terms of the production now, you mentioned beer of the month. You have a new beer every month. Right. Um, you have a core <clears throat> beer brewed in Anders. Right. So obviously your, your, your beer list grows considerably very fast yeah I mean is, is there never is there, is there a kind of a time when you guys need to really sit down and make decisions about production um, I mean the, the way we are structured it, it might look a bit messy but it's actually not um, I mean the, the first thing is um, we have kind of four kinds of beers um, we have the what we call the experimental series uh, this is very small batch uh, thousand liters sometimes two thousand liters uh, what you can see here in the kettles is like EXP 36, uh, um, which is um, a session IPA. Then you will have there, uh, it's actually a Gringot, that's a completely different. Uh, you have XP 37, so it's, it's very experimental. It's the idea of uh, letting people discover new tastes, and it's only in the tap room here in Dansa. So super limited uh, quantities, but it's the first step for us in the creation to... Uh, test new recipes, new ingredients, uh, see a bit how the public is reacting. And then we turn this, some of them into beer of the month. Uh, so once per month, we brew 120 to 150 hecto here uh, on big kettles over there. Uh, and then it's uh, like the Zenitzes collaboration with, uh, uh, with uh, Kyoto Boeing. Next month will be Vitalik. It's actually a collaboration with a music band. Uh, uh, the name of the beer is uh, Eternity. Uh, so this is a bit bigger. Uh, those beers you will find, uh, you know, in uh, nice bars, beer shops, obviously here in Tapum, but we also export them. Uh, then we have the barrel age. Uh, these are also more limited. So we have now more or less 40 different barrels from uh, Cognac, from uh, Uridi, from New Saint-Georges, a bit from everything. Um, these are also a bit more limited. More and more, we actually take 10 hectares from the beer of the month, like the Zenith Zest, we age it, uh, which is always nice uh, to be able to compare it. And then we have the All Stars. The All Stars are the beer selected by the um, community. So once per year, we, uh, we let the people choose one beer, and those ones are produced on a more regular basis. So they are permanently available. And those ones we make at Anders because it's again and again the same uh, recipe. So we really focus here in Nansa. So it's 2,000 hecto, but it's lots of different beers. So more or less uh, 25, 30 different recipes per year. Uh, we focus on experimentation, kind of a pilot boy, right, in the uh, U.S. world, uh, on the barrel aging, on letting people discover the beers. And then once we have chosen one, then we... Uh, yeah, we it's kind of, it sounds very much like a mix between experimentation and market testing, because you can try stuff out in the tap room here for your own uh, kind of appraisal, as well as get some sort of testing with the public. And then you can upscale that slightly, and then you can also learn as you go. Exactly. So that's the idea behind it, yeah, right? Yeah, completely. I mean, uh, as I said, um, we are really about creation, uh, and we are about community. So I think this is today the perfect model for us, to have a 2,000 hectare brewery, focusing on lots of different creations, uh, barrel aging, 
and very close to the city center, uh, you know, um, uh, easy to, for the people to come here, uh, share with us. Uh, today, we don't have yet uh, the business of, you know, doing again and again the same beers. Um, I mean, we're working on a project uh, on this, uh, but it's clearly a different, uh, anyway, it's a different uh, job, right? It's yeah. a different model. Yeah. Um, are there any of the beers that you're very disappointed in? Or does that not happen too often? Uh, it does happen, uh, but then we throw them away. Um, so yes, obviously it happens. Uh, it happens on, uh, on some cakes, uh, over carbonated cakes. Uh, I mean, it's a big financial hit, but obviously, I mean, you don't want to put on the market a bad beer. Uh, but all beers that we put on the market, we are very proud. Uh, you might like them, uh, not like them, um, but they, all, they, they always have a story. Uh, they always have. Um, we're always n- happy to make people discover something. And in, in, in terms of your kind of day-to-day here, I'm presuming that no two days are the same in terms no, of your no, no, role. No, no. Yeah. So, I mean, what kind of what's it like for you on a day-to-day basis and how you work? Yeah, I mean, obviously the job changed a lot. Uh, you know, when we when we started, we were two uh, small uh, Peugeot uh, 207 full of carton boxes in the in the car um, just going shop by shop uh, bar to bar uh, retail to retail uh, just saying hey guys you know uh, let me discover your beers uh, we spend obviously a lot of time on this spending a lot of time on learning as well uh, spending a lot of time on developing the recipes uh, now we are a slightly bigger team so we are 12 uh, excluding the uh, the staff for the tap room uh, so the change, yeah, the role changed a bit. Uh, it's also a lot about people, uh, uh, which is very fun. Sometimes you have the feeling to not do anything anymore because, you know, uh, there are people specialized and which are better than you on some stuff, which is good. Uh, you want better people than you to be part of the team. Um, but it's a lot about uh, quality management. Uh, I mean... This is this remains the number one challenge every day. You know, uh, you you can do ten fantastic beers, uh, but the next one remains a challenge uh, that everything is good. So I mean, there's a lot of time spent on discussing about the beers, the new innovations, about quality, about tasting. Um, that's a big uh, big part. Obviously, a big part is also about uh, community for us, uh, about continuing involving. Uh, so we're seeing the. Uh, the crowdfunders, we moved from uh, 369 to uh, 2,500 crowdfunders. So it's a lot about how to manage a bigger community uh, in an even better way than before, organizing more events, more exclusive uh, things, more communication. Um, so it's a bit about traveling as well, uh, which is nice. Uh, going to festivals last weekend was in uh, Rotterdam at uh, Caps Brewers. Um, I mean, we went uh, two weeks ago to Japan to open the first uh, Brussels Beer Project bar in, uh, in Tokyo. Um, so it's, it's all about connecting with other brewers as well, uh, to learn from them, to share experience. Um, it's a bit of everything, right? Uh, th- this is what makes the job very nice, and you never get bored because yeah, every day is very varied. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're, in terms of your kind of core beer lineup, you've got Delta, you've got Rosa Berta. Uh, you've got Dark Sister, right. Babylon, and, and Red My Lips, which is right. relatively new in the yes, core lineup. Yes, that was the one chosen uh, last year that we launched uh, more recently in uh, September 2016. So Delta is indeed, um, was a very nice spot because it's it's an IPA four years ago when we launched this, uh, this IPA. IPA was still relatively new uh, on the Belgian market, uh, but has a very nice Belgian touch, very dry with the saison yeast. Uh, so it remains the best-selling uh, beer for us. Uh, second year, actually the same year we had the Dark Sister, we cheated a bit. So this one is actually not elected by the people. Uh, but we why, felt, why did you choose that one? Uh, we, we, we said we, we need a little sister. I mean, this is how it started. We need a little sister to, uh, to be with the Delta. She feels very alone. Um, and we started to, uh, to have a few beers and say, okay, we, we need... Uh, sister, which will be dark. It's it's like the evil twins of uh, of the Delta. So we we said we'll do a black IPA. So same recipe as the Delta, but with uh, some roasted barley malt. Um, it's a very nice black IPA. Uh, obviously, dark beers are uh, less old uh, than the uh, yeah some of the blonde beers. 
but personally, it's a beer that I love. Um, then the next year, 2014, we, we decided to do four beers with uh, wheat, uh, going from uh, session wheat uh, to double, imp- uh, double wheat uh, IPA. Um, and the Grossberta is the one that won. Uh, it's kind of a mix between a uh, German Fweiss and Belgian Triple, so it's a bit higher than uh, usual German Fweizen um, uh, in terms of alcohol. Uh, but you still have this banana, uh, banana nose. Uh, it's very complementary uh, to what we do. Usually we go to dry beers, quite bitter, um, uh, bit extreme sometimes. On, yeah, you um, must also think about kind of your lineup and what you would like to see in there to give kind of that rounded portfolio of, of flavor profile to the, to yeah, the consumer. Yeah, I, I mean, th- this is the advantage of uh, the crowdsourcing, letting people choose is... Uh, uh, I said, the end, you you think that you have the the answer to uh, this would be you know a beer that I like and a good beer for the market, but you realize. That but are, are there times when the, the the community chooses something that you do, that you're like, oh, I wish we had have chosen something else? Um, I mean, it's it's not exactly this, but Rosberta is is for sure uh, was not my favorite beer out of the four uh, prototypes we have, but I'm extremely happy she's there. Uh, and I'm sometimes very surprised. Uh, you know, I, I'm from Brussels. I'm a bit bored by, you know, these more uh, estuary uh, beers. You're a bit more used to these flavors in, in Belgium. So I'm looking for different stuffs. Uh, but I'm very surprised that the Grossberta has lots of success also amongst uh, beer geeks in, in the other countries. Uh, because it's, it's not the usual uh, FVs, it's not the usual triple, it's something a bit different. Uh, it's very powerful, um, so I'm happy that people chose it, uh, even if that was clearly not my favorite one. Um, Red My Lips was actually my favorite one uh, among the four session beers. So in 2016, we said that we really want to push people to drink beers with lower alcohol, which is not easy in Belgium. Uh, so this one is 4.7, but still has a lot of body, um, so it's very nice. And the last all-star beer is, is a bit um, a different story. It's the Babylon um, that was not really chosen by the people. Though we, we did a few tastings with uh, crowdfunders, but it's a beer made out of used fresh, bread. Exactly, used bread. So the the, um, the idea here is that you can recycle kind of something that is not being used and right. bring it back into the food chain. Yes. Uh, I was talking about co-creation. This is a nice example of, you know, collaboration with a small NGO here on the other side of the canal, uh, Atelier Hot Island. Um, they employ uh, people um, that have some social uh, challenges to, uh, you know, to, to get a job. Uh, Endolais, uh, that is um, providing the bread. So basically what we do is every day, uh, with uh, Hot Island, we go to uh, a few delay stores. Uh, we get back the bread from the day before, so it's still quite fresh, but you cannot sell it anymore. And then it's still a very manual process. We slice it uh, with machine, we grind, we mill it, and then we um, put them in bags uh, which are vacuum cleaned, uh, so no oxygen. Uh, and then it's small bags uh, of 2.5 kilos that we use uh, in, uh, in the Babylon. So, so it, it's it, uh, like what sort of the percentage of the grist bill? Or, or the uh, we can go up to 25-30% uh, of the sales, so replacing the barley malt uh, on the Babylon. Uh, more than this makes it very difficult for the filtration. Uh, so we use rice husk, which by the way, it's another uh, you know, food waste, right? It's the husk of the rice that otherwise is, uh, is not used to help for the filtration. Uh, above this, I mean, it just gets stuck uh, to the filtration. Yeah. So from a process point of view, it's more difficult. Yes, and I mean, clearly we, we, we made a choice. We don't want to use enzymes. Uh, so we said, okay, we'll use uh, natural rice husk. The limit is we can go up to 25, 30%, uh, no more. But this is this is good as long as it's uh, natural. We, we actually use almost one ton of fresh bread every month. Uh, so it's it's actually uh, uh, it's a big quantity. You mentioned a beer called Eternity, which was with mm. uh, a band. And... I'm aware that you did brew a beer as well with an, another band called The Editors. Right. I think that beer was Salvation. And you talked as well about kind of having bands here when you have parties and, and, and you open your tap room. I mean, there's obviously kind of a, a, an enjoyment of music. Yeah. I mean, how does something like that come about and what is the real truthful contribution of the band to the beer? 
Um, I mean, it all started with uh, Eve, one of the uh, the boar here, um, that is passionate about uh, beer and music pairing. Um, it's actually much more serious than what it looks. Um, so this is the idea that the music that you listen to when you taste will have an influence of your right. perception of the flavor. Yes. I mean, it's like when you always take this example, but when you uh, drive your car and depending on the music you will listen, obviously you will have a very different behavior, right? Um, and it's the same for uh, beer and music. So depending on the music you listen, uh, you will be in different moods, but also it will uh, amplify some of the uh, uh, things that you will taste, like bitterness or sourness. Um, so it's it's actually more serious than what we think. Though the um, the collaboration with uh, the editors um, was very much about translating a music, one of their songs, uh, Salvation, which was the uh, kind of hit song from the uh, the last uh, their fifth album, album uh, to translate this uh, song into uh, a beer. Uh, and you know, Tom, the singer, has a very deep voice, uh, but uh, they are playing uh, uh, violin, violin, uh, which is a bit more high notes. And so we started with this uh, very dark, uh, dark beer uh, stout but with um, adding some uh, bergamot, some Earl Grey, uh, to give this freshness. Um, but was, uh, to, to your question, was a uh, very nice involvement from the editors. Uh, so actually they came four times here in the Bowery. Uh, the first time they came here uh, was right after recording the album in, the, in Scotland. So it was very nice. They came with lots of pictures, some sounds. Uh, so we started to listen, obviously, to the music, tasting a few beers. Uh, actually, Russell, the, the guy uh, playing the uh, the bass, is uh, a very nice uh, drink. Uh, how do you say that? The person drinking uh, in a very uh, a joyful way. Um, so brainstorming a bit on which beers we, we would make. Uh, they came a second time to taste a few prototypes we made. Uh, we decided to go for this uh, stout with uh, Earl Grey. Uh, they came a third time to brew with us. Uh, we brewed 12 times, uh, 10 hecto, but they came here for the first uh, 10 hecto we, we made. And they came last time to uh, fourth time uh, for the release of the beer. Uh, we have been very lucky that they did hear a small uh, acoustic show. Uh, the voice of Tom is uh, just uh, amazing. So we had uh, 100 uh, people coming here. Actually, I had the day, day after a big show in Leuven uh, in front of 20,000 people, and the day before they were here in, in the, the brewery, yeah, in the middle of the brew house and the, the bottling line. Uh, so, this is something we want to do more and more. Also, it's, I think, stimulating creativity on the beer, you know, listening to music and brainstorming, not only with brewers or the community, but also other artists. And I think they have a different perspective, like when, what you could have with a restaurant, like a chef. Uh, we'll ho- also have some other insights. Um, so in the next month, we do the same with uh, Vitalik, uh, which is uh, French electro music, so very different moods. So here we went for a very light uh, alcohol beer. I think we had 4.2 uh, cucumber infusion uh, with juniper berries, uh, a bit sour. So it's this idea of a bit more festival music, very refreshing um, sort of zesty, light, yes, yes. and fresh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you talk you talked about sort of co-creation with the community, and I think you have those terms on your labels, and you're talking about collaborations with the music bands, and I mean, you have done several collaborations with other sort of fairly high-profile breweries. Um, I mean, that's obviously important to you that you know you have that. This site, while there was no brewery here when you arrived, I read somewhere that you actually discovered at a later point that this. There was a brewery here back sort of the start of the 1900s. Is yes. that correct? Yes. I mean, it uh, was not intentional at all to uh, to come uh, where there was a brewery, but we discovered when, uh, uh, I mean, we, we put a lot of weight with all the, all the brew house and the CCTs uh, here. Uh, we started to freak out a bit about how much weight we could put, and we started to do uh, lots of uh, research on uh, you know what how was much here. The floor before. can hold. Uh, yeah. It used to be lots of different stuffs, uh, including the parking, a car parking, so which was quite kind of reassuring, but also brewery. Uh, obviously, there, there used to be 150 breweries here in, uh, in Brussels. Uh, we are kind of the epicenter of this uh, um, in Brussels of the, the, the brewery. There is the hop streets, uh, the green markets. Um, so it used to be, you know, uh, breweries, uh, neighborhoods, but there is a Bellevue uh, brewery uh, just on the other side of the canal as well. 
it went down to one brewery with uh, Cantillon. Uh, now, luckily enough, it's uh, going up again. Uh, I think it's very good for Brussels. Let's drink another beer. Yeah. Um, I think we'll go for the uh, fruity one. Uh, this is a raspberry oatmeal ale. Uh, it's one of the five prototypes for 2017. So we decided this year to go with uh, five beers with fruits, lots of fruits. Uh, is it common that you would select a theme, like you do session beers, then you do a fruit lineup? Yes, yeah, so we did four bitter beers, four wheat beers, four session beers. This year it's four uh, fruit beers. So we just launched the, um, the um, subscription for the tastings. The last one will be on June uh, 18, uh, La Tricoterie in, the, in, the, in Brussels. Uh, this one was actually um, a beer that we made for beer of the month. It's actually a recipe that is very close, uh, which was called the Morning Sunshine. Uh, so it's a bit with the lactose, giving it a lot of body. Uh, morning Sunshine was this idea of breakfast with the foods. Um, so lots of body, um, but you have the power of the raspberry, and, and I still, when I smell it, I still have this impression of a fresh raspberry you could eat. Um, that's clearly an example on how the community can influence the prototypes we, we make. We had so many different beers here, but the morning sunshine was clearly beer that people said, wow, this is just... I've never had a beer, a food beer like this before. Um, I mean, you have like the very industrial, sweet, uh, non-natural fruity beers. Uh, on the other extreme, or not extreme, but on, on the other side, you have like the very sour uh, fruity beers like Creek uh, from Cantillon, which are, which, which are amazing, but uh, let's say quite extreme, especially in the sourness. Uh, this is something new to me. It's like fresh fruits. Uh, it's not sweet. It's very refreshing. Um, actually, I didn't understand why people uh, didn't do this before, but I realized <laughs> when I saw the price of the fruits, it's a bit less awfully expensive to make. So uh, I'm still not too sure how we'll market it uh, because it's very expensive to make. Uh, fruits are very expensive. Uh, but we clearly said we don't want to compromise on the, on the quality and the quantities of, of fruits. We are here on the 30 kilos for 10 hecto of a raspberry. So this makes the power of the beer, but also the cost. You, you talk about, um, you know, the kind of the, the kind of more traditional sweet fruit beers. And um, you, earlier you talked as well about the kind of those ester forward, higher alcohol beers, which would be considered to be more classic for Belgium. Your whole kind of voice online in the beers themselves, you, you look around the brewery here, you know, it, you have the leave the abbey, join the playground. You know, you've obviously kind of defined this clear message that is a part of kind of your values. I mean, is that something that you're, you're very conscious of, that message you're delivering? You're very conscious that that's the message you want oh, to give? Oh, yes, of course. I mean, this is who we are. Um... I mean, we, we, as I said, we are not son of grandson of a boer, so we have no uh, family history, though my name is actually, uh, in Dutch, means the boer, Olivier de Blauer. Olivier de Blauer. <laughs> uh, but to my knowledge, uh, I don't have family in the, in the, in the boeing um, markets. But we came with a different approach, fresh to the market. Um, we are born in the 21st century. Um, I think it's very good uh, that some boys and they should, uh, you know, push on the uh, tradition, on being the seventh uh, generation of boys in the family. I think it's very good. Yeah, so to be clear, it's not that you disrespect that. No, I mean, I disrespect more the industrial beers, uh, you know, which I think... Um, because there might be a kind of a feeling that, you know, this is saying that tr traditional and classic is a little bit boring and that we you know, um, are more exciting than those guys. But you do have some element of respect for for traditional breweries. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that traditional breweries are making an amazing job. Um, just we are different. I mean, we, we, we are clearly not in the tradition and, and we couldn't be in the tradition because we are new. Um, and I think in Belgium, the you have to have some freshness. You have to have some new breweries and and I think this is what we say is, is you know, tradition is good, uh, but I think 
we have to wake up. Uh, we have to offer alternatives. Uh, I mean, we came back from Japan uh, 10 days ago, and, and clearly you see uh, Belgian traditional beers being very well respected, but more and more people moving to the American craft because they say it's much more exciting. Uh, the beers are much more... Uh, um, uh, extreme is not the right word, but I discover more things, um, more experience, uh, also have more fun with the stories. It's not always about being, you know, uh, family, uh, brewery. It's not always about being, uh, uh, you know, beer from uh, from uh, Trappist or which again I think it's good. And if you're a Trappist, you, obviously you should remain a Trappist and you should continue doing as as good as you can this. Uh, but I think we have to have in Belgium more freshness. But, I mean, are you comfortable using the word craft in Belgium? I mean, is craft as applicable in Belgium now as maybe it was in America 10, 15 years ago? Craft is a very strange uh, word, right? Nobody can define it, so uh, I I think it's... uh, But you guys use it... Uh, yes, I mean, we... To we separate define, yourselves from other other types of breweries in Belgium, maybe? Yes, I mean, our vision of craft is this, uh, um, this spirit of innovating, of, of being very creative. Um, I think it's uh, it's a lot about discovering new tastes, about trying, sometimes failing. Uh, not so much about doing again and again one or two same beers, but it's much more about creation. Um, it's obviously also being independent. Uh, I think craft, uh, for me, craft uh, means, you know, you make your own decisions. Uh, you're focused on quality, on long term. You're not focused on, you know, dividend for shareholders. Um, so, yes, I mean, we did, and, and I think, again, craft, there is this notion of very new, very innovative on the beer, but also on the communication. I, I think uh, it's a very personal definition, but I think... Um, yeah, associate quite a lot craft to the you know the uh, American uh, movement, where beer and communication is very important. That you want to involve, you don't want to be top down, uh, you don't want to have secrets. You want to be very transparent on what you do. You want to be real real time on what you do. You want to share your recipes. You want to put on your labels, which are the hops. Um, so in Belgium, I think indeed there are not so many craft breweries to my definition, uh, which again is very personal. And as, I think this is one of our strengths um, in Belgium, but also uh, for the export, is that um, lots of people respect Belgian beers. They have very high uh, um, yeah, very high uh, respect for, for, for the knowledge and the know-how, but they're looking for something new, and I think this is where we come in. Um. There are some people in Belgium who um, would criticise Beer Project. Um, uh, a, a term that gets bandied about a lot is fake brewers. How do you kind of respond to those types of criticisms? Or, I mean, what do you, what do you think when people say that? First of all, I think it's a very good sign people start criticising you. Um, I think if nobody criticises you, it's probably you don't disturb or you don't exist or nobody knows you. So I think as, as soon as you do something different, uh, people will criticize you. And, I, and again, I think it's a good sign. Um, now, to the fact that we are fake brewers, um, I mean, I don't care too much. I, get, we, I said we are who we are. Um, we are not son of grandson of brewers. Uh, we are very young brewery. Uh, we like marketing. We like uh, ver- being very innovative on the recipes. No boundaries. We like to test new stuffs. Um, and would you, I mean, are you, do you maintain that you guys have been always open about where the beer is being brewed and what you're doing? I mean, you talked about transparency. I mean, is that something that you're proud to always have kind of been quite transparent? Yeah, I think, I mean, there was, um, there were two um, two kind of arguments uh, people told us, um, or there was an open letter, right, uh, to, to make a reference to so an open letter of some. So, so this some was an divorce. open letter from a number of. Um, established Belgian breweries who not by name but by implication uh, uh, basically criticised you for what? But basically there were two things uh, two arguments the first one was uh, they argue that you should not call yourself a brewery if you don't have a brewery um, I mean obviously we are called Brussels Beer Project uh, so I think that was a bit a dumb uh, argument the second, bo- the second argument was uh, you should always put where you brew uh, on the label, 
which we did way before the open letter. So again, I think it was a bit a dumb argument. Then there were a few other stuffs mixing everything about, you know, uh, you shouldn't make crowdfunding because you screw up with the people. Lots of different stuffs, indeed, referring to Brussels Beer Project, which to me didn't make too much sense. Uh, I think it's very, I mean, it's, it's a true debate whether you should brew everything yourself or not. Um, and I think it's important, indeed, to uh, put it on the label, uh, which, by the way, I mean, for the small story, some of the breweries uh, signing this letter were still brewing at that time in other places or used to brew at other places, not mentioning it on the label. Uh, obviously, I will not mention breweries, but I think it was a bit, um, you know, it was a bit stupid. Did, uh, was the letter signed by any breweries that you respected? Uh, yes, uh, obviously, I think there are, I mean, I don't remember all the names there, but uh, I think uh, some of them are making excellent beers. Um, so did that not make you a little bit sad? Uh, not so much. I mean, I, I think it's, it depends on every person, but I don't care too much. Uh, I'm happy about, you know, what we do, and I, I truly believe, I, I hope I'm not arrogant saying this, but I, I think we changed the Belgian market, at least the market in Brussels. I think we... Do you, do you think that if you were doing what you do in another country, that you would not run into similar criticism? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's... Um, Belgian market, I mean, I'm from Belgium, we... Uh, it's a specific culture, right? I mean, it's uh, uh, it's not a culture that like risk, obviously. Um, it's not a culture that celebrates uh, successes and failures. Um, it's changing. I mean, we have more and more entrepreneurs, more and more breweries, uh, specifically here. Um, but obviously, people don't like too much change in Belgium. So, not like UK or US. Also, I think it's uh, beer is a very sensitive uh, subject. It's a very sensitive discussion because it's so important, and we are so proud. Belgian people are not proud of a lot of things, but clearly beer is one of them. Uh, more recently, a bit of football, uh, though we are disappointed, but beer is clearly the thing Belgian people are proud. So it's it's a very sensitive discussion. Um, so indeed, if if you if you take the example in UK, like in London or in Amsterdam and Rotterdam, you have lots of breweries, um, uh, you know, starting to brew in different place or brewing still in a different place. Uh, but, I mean, those those countries have a very exciting beer scene, and, and there's a lot great happening. But they don't have the traditional kind of the the, the brewing cachet that some, somewhere like Belgium has. Of course. So, which is kind of what you're referring to, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. And indeed, it's, there are less issues. But, uh, but again, I think it's a good debate as long as the arguments are fair, uh, as long as you don't criticize what you were doing yourself. Um, but I think I'm, I would be more than happy that, you know, every project or brewery and not having a brewery don't have brewery on the name. And I think everyone should put on the label where it's brewed. I think this is common sense. Is there any sort of softening towards Beer Project that you've noticed over the last years, or is it still, you feel this kind of um, criticism, animosity, coldness from some sectors? Um, I mean, obviously, one change was when we started to brew ourselves here in Nassau. Uh, even if it's a part of the production, I think that's, uh, I mean, we clearly proved to everyone uh, we could be extremely innovative, uh, very high quality beers. Um, I think, again, everything we did, experimental beers, barrel age, beer of the month. Um, I mean, some of them, some of the beers are, are great. Um, and I think this is feedback we get. Um, obviously, I'm proud of the beers, which is very subjective, but feedback we get also from untapped red beer and so on. I mean, it's very positive. So I think this softened a bit uh, the criticism uh, because uh, we took the risk uh, to have an expensive brewery, to brew beers, to manage every the production, the stock, and so on. Um, but at the end, I think the criticism is very much driven also by uh, personal feelings, uh, by jealousy, and I think having a brewery, even if tomorrow we have a second brewery, I think we'll still be criticized by the same people. They will probably invent other, other things, but... Uh, um, I think this is part of the game, no? I think it's, uh, it's, it brings some uh, spice uh, to, the, uh, to the daily job. I mean, it's, it's actually quite stimulating as well to have you know, some condition. It's a bit like uh, Manchester City and Manchester United. No? I think it's good to have a derby. Um, so I, I find it personally fun. And I, at the end, I mean, 
we shouldn't be too serious about beer. I mean, beer, it's about pleasure, it's about connection, it's about people. Uh, it should be about fun, right? Uh, and I, I think it should be a game. Let's try another beer. Uh, next one is uh, is the Minotaur. Uh, this is a barrel-aged one. I uh, wanted to uh, to make you discover one. It's a red ale, uh, which is uh, aged in um, red wine barrels, uh, Nuit Saint-Georges and uh, Rully. Merci. With pleasure. Cheers. You guys obviously have a background in business and marketing. Your kind of labels are very much branded, you know, you know it's a beer project beer. Um, you're working with um, Coast Agency. Right. So tell me, like, how did you end up getting to this visual brand? Uh, it was actually a few steps. We uh, started with the logo, so kind of the beta, uh, which is a combination of uh, B, beer, and P, project. Um, and then we moved to somebody else because this person was really specialized in logo. Um, and then we did a few steps, uh, ending up with this, uh, this very simple design. Uh, and the reason is uh, we have lots of different beers, so you should be able to change very fast, have a name, the information on EBU, EBC, the style. Well, that's something that you're quite keen on, is giving the consumer a lot of information about the ingredients of the beer and a steer on the, the flavor profile of the beer. Yes, I think we should even do more. Uh, not always easy because the labels are very small. We're trying to put as many ingredients as possible on top of this year, EBC alcohol and, uh, and uh, EBU, but we always put all the hops we use, all the cereals we use, extra ingredients, yeast. Uh, but clearly in the future, I think we want to go further and further, you know, sharing more information. Um, kind of some big news at the minute for you guys is that you have a, a new project in Tokyo. Right. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, I mean, Tokyo has been... Uh, surprisingly successful us uh, since day one. Um, so is this Brussels Beer Project in Tokyo or is it Tokyo Beer Project? It's Brussels Beer Project in Tokyo. Um, why, why make that decision, first of all? Um, I mean, for, for as, as I said, we are all about community and Japan was very uh, big market for a second uh, export market and lots of people being very fun. So what we wanted to do there is kind of a home for the community. Uh, so it's a very nice space in the city center in Shinjuku, very uh, interesting uh, neighborhood in, uh, in Tokyo. And we wanted to have this space, obviously a bar uh, with 12, 12 taps of Brussels Beer Project and six from Japanese craft beers. But we really wanted this space as as a home for the community, uh, we have like VR uh, to help uh, them explain and uh, see the brewery in uh, 360 on videos. Uh, we organize lots of events every, t every other week. Uh, we organize events on, you know, beer and painting, beer and obviously cheese, which is a bit more classic. Uh, lots of education. Um, so we... The first step, at least, was to have a home for all beers for the community from Brussels Beer Project. I think last year you guys started a beer festival, uh, Good Beer Feast. Right. So um, was that a way just to kind of give an extra layer to the community and bring other brewers that you wanted into Brussels? Yes, I mean, we... We did a long journey already with our community uh, from the very first tasting of Alpha, Beta, Gamma and Delta and I think we are going further and further on new beers, new breweries, uh, new stories and Good Beer Feast was an extra layer, an extra excuse uh, to let people discover new, new beers. Uh, so we organized um, kind of a craft uh, beer festival which was a bit of an alternative to the traditional one on the Grand Place. So it was on at the same weekend yes, uh, as the, the kind of uh, the Belgian Beer Weekend which is a very traditional quite big quite big uh, we wanted to to invite indeed we, we invited 13 different breweries uh, not only from Belgium but also from I mean we had the, the Molen from the Netherlands we had uh, Stone from uh, Germany we had uh, Kyoto from Japan uh, so, lots of different stories, lots of different beers, lots of different approaches. I think it was uh, um, an amazing time for the people coming. First of all, there was music, uh, very good atmosphere, like lots of people laughing, uh, and uh, I mean, discovering all kind of new beers, stars that never heard about it uh, before. Did you get 
any pushback from the um, festival, the Belgian Beer Weekend, the sort of more traditional crowd? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically they, they tried to uh, postpone or cancel the, the event. Um, on one side, obviously, I can understand you organize an alternative festival. Uh, I think they were probably as shocked by the fact we, we invite non-Belgian breweries, uh, which was a surprise to me because um, I think this is part of the... I mean, if you look back a bit about the history of Belgian breweries, I mean, how did we go, get so famous? I mean, it's, it's by getting inspiration from, from the other countries. I mean, the pills, I mean, it's clearly not a style that uh, Belgian uh, breweries invented, right? Pale uh, neither. Um, so I, I, th- I think the... the the success of Belgium is being able to look at what's happening outside, uh, doing it with uh, great knowledge, great know-how, uh, giving a touch, uh, twist, a Belgian twist. Um, so I think it's 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 part of our DNA to uh, to invite other boys from other countries, and I think it's a pity to uh, yeah, to only look at ourselves. Uh, now we had very different kind of reactions. Um, I mean, we also got lots of. Uh, breweries uh, being very happy to offer an alternative uh, to give some freshness um, actually some of them that came to the festival uh, really happy about the music about the uh, the atmosphere about the beers um, so I think again we need the traditional beers we need all the stuffs that have you know, the reputation that have built over the last centuries but I think they also need us uh, because I think it's important for Belgium to have some new things, uh, not only being on tradition, uh, but also having some boys trying to you know, be a bit more on the craft, uh, on the innovative side. Let's pour one beer to finish. Um, which one are you going to choose this time? So last one is uh, EXP33. So this is one of the uh, experimental beers you can only find here. Uh, this is a, a good example of, you know, stars we get inspiration f- from, from outside Belgium. Uh, so it's a New England IPA. Uh, very hazy, very juicy. Uh, we're launching it now, so I'm, I'm actually still surprised by how people will will react. I mean, I mean, th- this is it's relatively new. I think you know, in certain parts of America, coming here, it's not common at all. No. In terms of getting your head around the production of this beer, how did you go about researching and finding out about it, finding out what you wanted from it? But I think this is one of the nice part of the job is uh, is looking and tasting what's happening outside uh, outside Belgium. Uh, we are 12 here. A few of us are pure uh, beer geeks, uh, living and, uh, and uh, living day by day for, for beers. Um, so New England IPA, this is something we see for, for two years now, uh, starting obviously in the US. Um, and it's a bump, right? I mean, it, the, the nose on it is, is really incredible. I mean, you have the feeling for, you know, to have fresh hops uh, just diluted in the... Uh, in the in the boiling so you're looking at juiciness you're looking at a big aroma and you're looking at low bitterness levels yes uh, i mean you obviously you can see it's completely hazy um, is that difficult in belgium or maybe? um i don't know yet because we just uh, we just share it now in the tap room uh, you need a bit of explanation because if people see this beer they will say hey you have an issue you have a problem with your beer it's completely hazy uh, but obviously, this is the the objective of this beer. You know, very juicy, uh, having a very rich body, uh, extremely bitter indeed, and all these hops uh, which are uh, flattering your nose. Um, but I think this is part of what we have to do. Um, it's about educating, sharing, uh, explaining. Uh, not that we know everything by far. I mean, we get the inspiration from what's happening outside. Uh, but I think one of the chances we have is. We are quite young, we are quite open to the external world, so I think it's a chance to bring and give a all touch to, uh, to, uh, to more beers and more styles. Um, my final question, Olivier, do you love what you do? Oh, yes, uh, for sure. I mean, you have to love what you do uh, in the beer market, right? I mean, it's clearly not the, uh, the easiest uh, job. Uh, I mean, you work long hours. Uh, it's not easy to make it, you know, um, sustainable and, and, you know, just a, a business that you can pay the, the salaries of, uh, of your full team. So you have to do it by passion. Uh, but it's, it's such a nice, uh, inviting world uh, with so nice people. Um, I mean, we have been discussing uh, 
uh, about uh, criticism that we had. But on the other side, for one criticism, we get 10 times more uh, compliments, uh, feedback, positive feedback, uh, friendships from all over uh, Belgium, but also all over Europe and, uh, and worldwide. Kyoto Boeing is a good example. I mean, we just had an amazing time with them. So, I mean, just... Uh, it's pleasure at the end. Uh, I think it's all about pleasure. Yeah, a pleasure for me to come here. Thank you so much for welcoming me to your brewery and Sante. Sante, thanks so much. Thanks for listening, folks. If you want to hear more, why not subscribe to the podcast? And if you liked it, we'd love it if you left a review on iTunes. If there's someone you know you think would enjoy it, please do recommend it to them. And if you want to keep up with our stories, resources and projects on Belgian beer and Belgian chocolate, Sign up for our email updates on belgiansmack.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.